so I like to make funny sounds with my voice. Any of you guys like to read? So anyone like to read like fantasy? Biographies? All right. So I like to read and um, <laughs> I, I like reading the part before books and like fantasy books like that gives you character development. You guys ever, you know what I'm talking about? And so when you walk in there, it's not like, oh, here's Bilbo Baggins, right? You know, I'm Lord of the Geek. Um, it, it gives you a back, there's a background, right? Or if you're really a geek when it comes to that, you read, you know, The Hobbit, right? But there's all these little uh, profiles of, of, of things. So I kind of I get into that, and I, I, it helps me get a better sense of uh, per, a person's perspective and how uh, they got to that point. So when, when you hear, uh, hear, hear their dialogue or see how they act, you kind of get a flavor of, of why. Um, kind of curious like that. So I'm going to do a quick, hopefully quick, overview of what we've read so we can see kind of where, uh, where we are uh, before we get into our text. So keep your hand in Matthew 5, and we're going to be flipping from 5 to 7. Um, if you imagine, the guys have, have shared this, uh, almost probably every study, Jesus sees a multitude he goes up on a hillside and sits down to teach, which was proper. So all of you guys should be standing, I should be sitting. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do that. But that was common for the, the teacher. Um, the one thing I really liked about that was the impactfulness of that. Obviously, uh, the, the writer of Matthew and other accounts of this in Luke, uh, this was impactful in their lives, and they, and they recorded it. Um, maybe some of you guys are like that as well, where you, something you heard or you heard God say to you, and you, and you write it down, and this is what these guys did. Um, and, it, and it's really conveyed in, in that first verse there in Matthew 5, 1, where, where it says, um, Jesus says, um, or in 5, 2, he says, he, it says he opened, as, he opened his mouth. Matthew 5, 2. And the first slide I have for you, if you guys could put that up, uh, the Greek kind of captures it pretty well. It says, in Greek, it is used of a solemn, grave, and dignified utterance. It was used, for instance, of the saying of an oracle. It is the natural uh, preface to a most weighty saying. Uh, and then also it says, and he taught, and he taught them. That's slide number two in the Greek. It says, Barclay also points out that the verb translated taught is in the imperfect tense. Therefore, it describes repeated and habitual action. And the translation should be, this is what he used to teach them. So we see who Jesus is teaching to. We see who's teaching Jesus. Uh, we see the, the power uh, in which he's, he's speaking. Um, it, it obviously had impact on these guys who recorded it. Um, we also see uh, in Matthew, the part of the scripture we're going we're gonna, to uh, read today, in Matthew 7, 28-29, that the, uh, I'll actually read that to you, and it says, And so it was when uh, Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings, 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So it was powerful. Um, it, it, it was impactful. And as we've been going through this, you can see why. The, the, the things that Jesus was sharing was, was uh, kind of countercultural um, to, the, to the, Jewish, uh, the majority of Jewish people who would be listening to this. Um, and they, they're transformative. I mean, uh, when, when you, as we will touch on with these, there were some amazing, amazing insights to God's kingdom. The guys have said this is, uh, this is Jesus's, uh, I've heard Jesus's manifesto, uh, kingdom living. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Living 101, um, and, to the, and to the first century Jew, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a little bit different. If you could put slide four up there, or the fourth one, it's kind of a, uh, if you guys can get a character backdrop on this. In the first century, there was little agreement among Jews as to what the Messianic kingdom would be like. One uh, very popular assumption was that the Roman yoke would be shattered and there would be a political peace and mounting prosperity. Um, so Jesus' teaching probably uh, just did not match what the kingdom that most of his listeners uh, would imagine uh, of, a, of a, a messianic kingdom. Um, it just it probably, like I said, it was it's probably the, the words that he said that the people's mouths probably dropped and they were like, Ooh. Not what we were expecting, as they were drawing near to Jesus. Um, so let's look at the substance of it. We see in Matthew chapter five, verses three through eleven. We see. Um, oh, just another little side note, little background, because I, I don't have slides for this, but um, the kind of running theme is a heavenly approach to a heavenly approach to. So if you hear that, that's starting kind of a new area of thought. And so Jesus talks on the heavenly approach to our attitudes in, in verses 3 through 11 of chapter 5. And, uh, you know, how to have the hashtag blessed life, um, just that, how to get a, a perspective that, that, will, that is heavenly, that's lined up with heaven. And then in verse uh, 10, he doesn't pull back punches, he says, yeah, you get these great uh, attitudes, the blessed attitudes, but he, he gives the heavenly approach to persecution in, in Matthew 5.10. And I, I liked, uh, here it said, uh, words to this effect. He probably didn't say, he probably said something better. Uh, you know, don't, <laughs> make sure that people are persecuting you for righteousness sake. And not because you're being a jerk. Um, so I, I kind of like that. Um, but Jesus gives us the attitude in our approach to persecution. And he gives that in, in, uh, in 5.12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad is one of the attitudes he gives. Then he gives another uh, attitude to have. And, and puts, gets, gets the guys to think about their future hope. And he says that, or he explains that, by saying, your reward's in heaven. 
So trying to get, you know, when you're going through persecution, it's easy to think of the now. And so he says, your reward's in heaven. And he gives further encouragement in 12 when he says that we're not alone in this persecution, that there are people who've gone ahead of us that have been through the same type of persecution and have prevailed, have, have made it through, right? Where he says, uh, the prophets that be before you, they endured the same persecution. Now he gives practical, and I tie this in to, um, uh, to the persecution, starting in verse 13 through 16, where he says, now be salt and light, because it's easy to have a good attitude about things and go get, get a mindset, a heavenly mindset, uh, and then go through persecution and get through that and have a good mindset. But it's harder in persecution to be salt and light. Um, but that is generally where we have our best witness, right? And I think uh, Jared uh, touched on that. But as, a, as we were going through that study, I want to say it was the week before, uh, we were at a 4th of July party, and there was this guy who was really, you know, who, uh, it seemed like he was seeking the Lord or God or a God. And, um, and he, he really was into the stars. And he, he liked, uh, liked stargazing, liked every television program, reading any article, all this stuff on the stars and the cosmos and all that stuff. And, he, and he said, something he said kind of struck me, but not really because I kind of already knew it. But he, he said, when, when we're here, we don't see the stars clearly uh, because there's so much light pollution. You know what I mean? You guys know what I'm talking about. And he says, but if you go get out to the mountains, you get up high elevation, there's no light, and you just see just like, you just, it, it's amazing, right? And what struck me was this, and, uh, and this guy kind of was talking to me about this, Slide six, or the next slide, it says, um, light pollution causes the stars of the night sky to be hidden by the naked eye. But Christian light pollution should cause the naked eye to see the heavens clearly. And, and, and I think that's, for me, it, it, like, yeah, you know what? Um, when we're shining our light through all circumstances of life, people should see heaven clearly. They should see, as Jesus models prayer, heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Or, uh, you, you know what I'm saying. I'm going to move on because I butchered that. Uh, all, I say all that just to say that people are, are watching or are watching us. Uh, and again, I, I like the way Jesus starts his sermon. Basically, he, he says, have good attitudes. Uh, even though you've got a good attitude, you're going to be persecuted. But even through persecution... Um, uh, be salt and light. Still, still remain. Remain what? Remain salty. Remain lit. Remain lighted. Remain, remain, remain light. Keep your reputation without spot or blemish. Um, let God work through all the situations in your life. Again, I. Um, Sometimes non-Christians, uh, when, they, when they come into contact with Christians, uh, it's, it's maybe one or two, three, 
it's a very uh, seldom opportunity for them to see a Christian's life. And as we develop our relationships with the outside world, the people that we're supposed to be salt and light to, um, they, uh, they observe us. And as they observe us, they observe us in every season, how we handle things at work, how we handle things with our kids, um, what we do when we have major calamity in our, in our, in our lives. Uh, and a good measure kind of of our saltiness or, our, or how, how brilliant the light of Christ is in our, is in our life is when we, when we have uh, people who, who are non-Christians and they have something come up in their life. And what are, in those cases, uh, there's, we're hoping that these things are happening, that we are, as Jared was saying, a connecting point to God for non, non-Christians. Um, that are they, are, we're hoping that they're seeking us out when trouble comes their way. We're hoping that they're, they're asking us to pray because they're going through a calamity. We're, ask, we're hoping, again, that they're asking us uh, for advice in tough decisions. So again, salt and light is big in every, every, every point in your life, everything that you're going through. And I, again, I just like the way Jesus, because he doesn't mix words with it. It'd be easy if Jesus said, hey, have a, have a great life, and, and then be salt and light. And you're like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, bless. Look, I got all these things that I'm going to give. Yeah, shoot. Heck, yeah. Woo! But he says, no. Persecution. Even in persecution, you are blessed. All right, I'm getting past that. A heavenly approach to the law is found in uh, Matthew 17 through 48. There's a high standard Jesus Jesus, uh, sets out here. We see in in 520 that he says, "Unless unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, by no means will you enter the kingdom of heaven. And then uh, Josh, like, nailed it. Josh Dean nailed this. I, lo- I love his, his study. In verse 548, uh, chapter 5, verse 48, he puts it way out there, and he says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you're like, what? <laughs> right? So what's the point? Um, we can't do it. I don't know if you guys know that, but Try and follow the law. Try and be the perfect Christian. Try to put rules and ordinances and all these different things in your life and see how well you do. I guarantee you'll break it. Um, Paul said that, and I don't have this in my notes, but he, he said that, um, that he, he, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. But then what he realized is that he had a pride problem. <laughs> He realized that he could do it all, and he's like, yes, look at me. And then he's like, oh, oh I'm promoting myself um, so highly, and I got myself so pumped up there. But what, what, what Jesus is getting at, and what, hopefully the point driven home is that we need a different righteousness. We can't stand before a holy God based upon our righteousness. And the law was there to do that. The law was to point people to the fact that they needed to make their lives right with Christ or Jehovah, right? And so they would kill a lot of animals. It was a bloody affair to get right with God before Jesus died on the cross for us. 
So what does all that mean? Does it mean that we do away with the, the law? No. Jesus says it, it's eternal. It's the, none of it's going to, uh, not a jot or tittle. I believe it's in verse uh, uh, 17. None of it's going to pass away. Um, So instead, we're, we're to continue in the law. It's a, it's a permanent thing. Verse, I believe it's uh, 17, we see that. Uh, Paul alludes to the same point, and this is in Romans 6, 1 and 2. Speaking on God's grace um, uh, towards us, and he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And Jesus goes on in verse 19, and he gets even uh, a little more detail specific to the law, which is if we're teaching people not to follow the law, we're going to be considered least in the kingdom of heaven or to break the law or to, to, to diminish from it. But on the contrary, if we're teaching people to follow the law and to... Um, to, to follow the precepts of the, of the law, we're, we're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's what he says in verse 19. So in summary, it's not our perfection in following the law or the higher expectation or the, the higher expectations that Jesus lays out in these verses. But in uh, his, or Jesus fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law, being put to death unjustly and proving that he is perfect by raising himself from the dead, the action of Jesus is our covering before the holy, just God. He or Jesus is righteousness before is our righteousness before God, and that's um, comforting because again, I if you don't know that you're a sinner, you should. <laughs> that's the thing that popped in my head. Sorry, and I do, and then I go, I, I what can I do with the sin? And, um, and I'm thankful that Jesus is my righteousness. That when I go and I'm facing God, I, I don't go, God, look at me. I don't have, hey, God, I did sound for so many years at Calvary Chapel on a Greek. <laughs> hey, God, I put up a curtain. Hey, God, I put out a chair. I, I don't ever have to do that with God. He'll go, filthy rags. But then he'll, I liked someone, I heard this once, he said, the rose-colored glasses of Jesus, right? So he looks at us through the veil of the blood of Christ who died for us, who was our righteousness and died, is our righteousness and died for us and, and covers our unrighteousness. Yeah, amen. Thank you. So next he goes a heavenly approach to uh, hypocrisy. Verses six, uh, chapters 1, or 6, 1 through 7 and verses 16 through 18. And um, he touches on the various areas, you know, when we're praying, uh, uh, when we're giving, when we're fasting, um, that basically, look, we're, we're not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be for show. This is, it's, in fact, he uses the, the, the term secret place. When you do this in secret, God will reward you openly. And so, again, he gets to the, to the heart of it, our motives uh, behind those, those three areas, prayer, um, fasting, and giving. So, and he gets down to the, the real questions, which is, where do you want to receive your reward? In front of people or God? And 
who do you want presenting you the reward, people or God? I'll say that one more time because I didn't put it on the slide. Where do you want to receive your reward? In front of people or God? How do you want, oh, sorry, who do you want presenting you the reward, people or God? And that's the gist of what, he, what he's getting at in those verses. It's funny that they all, that they all connected with that, though. Could you imagine, like, after, like, you go to chapter 8, and they're like, oh, Jesus, who were you talking about when you were talking about the synagogues and the street corners? Who were those people who were kind of showy? They, they knew exactly who he was talking about. So don't be that person. Um, now he goes on to uh, write sandwiched in between those verses in, in chapter 6, 12 to 15. Uh, he gives a heavenly approach to prayer, and um, Josh did a great job of it, and most of us know this. We, we need to be in communication with God. We need to keep it simple, and we need to uh, uh, talk to him daily, hourly, so, sometimes and often. We're, 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 it's moment by moment, like right now. I'm praying because I'm nervous. Our heavenly approach to our stuff is the next section. Uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. I liked all the personal stories uh, Julian gave, and like I said, he like raised the bar with that quote from his wife, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what, what am I going to do, Lord? <laughs> um, and uh, I liked he said, uh, add faith to combat worry. And worry was kind of at the end of those verses uh, where Jesus talked about that. Uh, I believe... Uh, these verses have a very common thread, and that common thread is stuff. Um, what, what's in our eyes, right? He talks about the eyes being uh, full of light. Then if your eyes are full of light, you, you, your life's going to be full of light. If your eyes are full of darkness, you're going to be full of darkness. What's in our eyes? What do we have our eyes on? Who are we serving? Is God the center of it all? If our eyes are good and God is at the center, then our worries seem to melt away, right? And uh, why do we worry about material or stuff? Because it's on our mind, right? They kind of, they kind of go, to, go together. Um, and Jesus uh, kind of, I don't know if he double downs on it or kind of even gives you one more reason why not to worry is like, hey, you have enough trouble for today. <laughs> to worry about tomorrow, you know he go, he goes with it with one more. Um, Bill. Next, he goes to a heavenly approach to our judgment, uh, Matthew seven, verses one through twelve. And I, I'm kind of weird. Like I said, I, I uh, when I read things, I think it's because I'm left-handed. Um, these <laughs> right, <laughs> they make left-handed forks though. Though I, I found out. Uh, I see things in reverse. I see things like, like, man, this would be so much easier if we started at verse 12. Um, where verse 12, he says, if you guys have your Bibles there, you know, you see, he, he says, treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, if, if, if he started with, if, he, if, we, if, if we go, uh, uh, if we can get the standard, right? And the standard we, fall, we find is, found in, in verses 7 through 11, because 7-11 talks about 
going to God, seeking God, knocking, uh, uh, seeking, knocking, uh, asking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Talks about our how diligent are we in our in our prayer life. It's amazing when you when we talk to God, when we seek God in that way. It's amazing what He reveals about ourselves, and then what He reveals uh, our how our heart should be towards others. So that's why I say it's like, oh man, I could treat others the way I want to be treated if I started there in 7-Eleven, before 12, 7-Eleven, I want a Slurpee. But even before that, he says in verses 1 through 6, he, said, he talks about judging and how we judge people. How do we know how to rightly judge people? If we're close to God, he's going to speak to us in those things. He's going to tell us, stop judging them, right? He's going to convict us if we're wrong. And, he, and he's going to uh, and he's going to show us specifically how we can speak into someone's life if that is needed. You know what I'm saying? Because there is, like Jared explained, there's right, there's, there's, we should judge, we should see sin rightly the way God sees sin rightly. Um, anyways. So anyways, that's how I, my mind works in that. It's uh, uh, an, another thing that I notice is that as as we're near to God and we're 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 seeking. We're, we're knocking and we're asking as, as we're doing that and then we get around other believers. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does in people's life where a lot of times you don't have to talk to them about sin because they either see it in, in your life, not sin, but they see um, maybe what, what they're doing uh, it, as they're hanging out with you. Maybe sometimes God gives you a word of knowledge and you're able to exercise that and actually share with them some things that like um, trigger a, 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 like a, a thought in their mind, and then God starts working on it. The Holy Spirit is, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's powerful. And he does that work, and he's sufficient to do that work. So Jesus, um, we're going to get to this heavenly approach to those around us, and this is kind of where we start in our text today. This is a long intro, huh? <laughs> uh, Jesus, like he's good at finishing. I'm not, but uh, I know there's children ministry workers that are that are loving our kids. So he 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 wraps up really well here, and he says, uh, and, and I won't touch on a lot of this because Jared Jared touched on it really well last week about the the two paths, uh, the two the two gates, the narrow gate. Um, in the in the broad gate, the only thing I, 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 will, I will say about this is that um, when it comes to our approach to others around us, is that you know we're all on a path, right? We're all if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're on a path to heaven. Thank God, right? That is our hope, right? Um, and there's others around you as well. And they're on their own path. It may look very similar to your path, um, and you're and you guys are, but you guys are both heading, let's say, due north, right? We're always going up to Jerusalem. We're always going up to heaven, right? We're heading due north, and sometimes, if we're watching other people's paths too closely, <laughs> we stumble over a rock, right? No, we 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 can get enamored by other people's path as opposed to the path that God has us on, still going to the same point. 
and we look over at our path and we go, ooh, look at that's I need to upgrade to my path. Or then we we look at another person's path and it's way broader. And you're like, dude, he's got like a he's got 680 out there, you know what I mean? It's like all these lanes, and he's just like that, but it's still heading north, right? It's still heading to Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento North. Um, you're like, problem we can have again is we, we, we look off of our, our, our path. We look, out, look, look away from the, the narrow gate that God has for us. He has a personal, Jesus is a personal relationship with you and me. And he will direct your path in a very specific way different than your neighbor or someone else. So watch out who we have around us I think there's, a, there's kind of a warning in there as well because there might be people doing something that they have the, the white. When I say, when, uh, I told myself I was going to say this. When I talk about a broad and narrow view of things, I'm talking about a more uh, liberal Christian view and a, and a, and a more um, narrow, how do I say that, Jared? Conservative, there you go, liberal conservative. Uh, a more conservative view, right? So there might be people who don't do this because they, they have a strong conviction of that, and that's good. Um, in fact, I encourage you, if there's people who have stronger conviction used, uh, than you, don't be repelled by them. In fact, I, they're all going to heaven. You know, There's not going to be like some separate room for conservative Christians and another room for liberal Christians, right? It's, it's not like that, right? <laughs> but I mean, but, but if there's someone who has a stricter conviction than yours, man, embrace it. Because you know what God will do that? He'll grow you. He'll, he'll grow you. No, don't get me wrong. You're still on your path. But we grow from each other, the people around us. And on the contrary, there's some people who might have way liberal, more liberal views. And that's a, it could be a struggle, Right? You could be, you could be um, tripped up by that. I would say this. Get to know those people. Wonder why they are. What, why, why that is. Um, not that it's bad. I'm just saying that it, it's, it's different than yours. Because you can influence them and they can influence you. That's the gist, is, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Which is, which is good. I think the, the body of Christ is diversified and we, sh- we should be learning from each other and growing from each other. That was a long intro. All right, go home. Just kidding. All right, so in that same heading, our approach to others while we're walking on the path, Let's, let's read, our, read our, our, our text today. Verses 15 through um, 23, actually, because they all tie together. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So just pause right there. Does that happen? You can say it. No, right? Whenever a question's like that, it comes up in the Bible, especially if it's Jesus talking. My Bible, it's all in red that Jesus is talking, so I know, so I can remember. 
Um, answer the question right away. <laughs> or, or find out, why didn't they ask me that question? Even so, verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Whoa, that was loud. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So again, kind of in the same approach, Jesus is wrapping up and he, 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 he's, he's giving a, a warning, right? Obviously because it says beware in verse 15. Um, sometimes it's really easy to, to, to spot someone who's giving you a bunch of baloney, right? <laughs> right? I, my pest guy, I don't know why this popped in my head, but my pest guy, uh, we've, he's, he's, every house that we've lived in, he's a family friend, gives us a great rate. And, um, uh, and I tell him, I say, yeah, I had these guys come over. I said, they normally, or they, they oh, we're doing your neighbor's uh, we're spraying in your neighbors. You, you guys, you want me to spray? I say, no, I have a guy. And he goes, yeah, they, they probably promised you that you'll never see any bugs after that, right? And I go, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, it's not true. <laughs> From one bug guy, let me tell you reality, that's not true. And sometimes you can, so you can spot them, you know, the whole uh, too good to be true type thing. But there are people who want to give you, uh, it, it, it's a little more subtle, and they, it, and they don't, they uh, they do kind of look like that, as Jesus explained, uh, a sheep in wolf's clothing, or I got that wrong, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? They, they, they walk around, they look like you and me, but then pretty, ooh, wow, pretty soon they start, um, they, they start espousing some new doctrine, something weird that you've never heard before. They claim that it's going to change your, going to revolutionize your life. Right? For 19, no, I'm just kidding. You know, but in those kind of, you know, I think we're kind of savvy to that. But sometimes it's, it's even more subtle, as, as Jesus said, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing, because it could be that attitude lifestyle uh, that is just kind of like, well, I'm just kind of doing whatever. And they kind of want you to buy into that as well. Um. Where there's, um, where it, it is this end result where they, they lead you astray. The reason why it's important to look at those uh, around us, not to like um, be scared of like the person sitting next to Everyone turn to the next person next to you. I think I know everyone in the crowd. You're all right. Say, yeah, you're all right. I like you. You love Jesus, right? <laughs> you're following Jesus, right? <laughs> But to me, what God really pressed on my heart is the importance of, of, of church, um, community, but not just like Sunday morning, but a home group, 
hanging out afterwards. These are, these are important times where we, where we really get to know people. Uh, and again, I think it has, as, as we're spending time with God and we're spending time with other people, it's easier to spot people who are a little bit off, right? Who, who aren't quite maybe correct in their teaching. Um, There's a lot of warnings in the New Testament. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 15, 8, if you can throw that up there. So the, uh, these people draw, he's quoting Jeremiah when he says this. He says, these people draw, not Jeremiah here, but Jeremiah the prophet. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Um, drawing near to me with their lips and their heart is far from me. Again, the idea is as as we get to know one another, that fruit that Jesus says, we we know right away if it's good fruit or bad fruit, right? Um, But that takes that that community. Another, another slide I wanted to sh- share with you guys uh, is in Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. It's another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the, ga- uh, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also sprouted and produced a crop. Oh, sorry. Then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have hair, uh, hair, tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go up and gather them up? But he said, to, but he said No, lest you gather up the tares, you also uproot wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we see the, the, the and Jesus gives us, he shows us the subtlety there where it's, you, can't even, you can't even tell them apart sometimes. And here at the end, if we're looking at this from a spiritual aspect, you know, it's God who's going to um, do that separating at the end, Right? And he does let them grow up, so we need to be we need to be uh, aware of those who are uh, we're surrounded by, uh, or surround, we're being surrounded by. Another good one is, and um, I don't think I I have a slide for this, but in Galatians five verses sixteen through twenty three, um, it, it, he, Paul really lays out a, a good definition of like someone who's walking in the uh, the fruit of the spirit and one who's walking according to the flesh, which which a false prophet is doing, and it gives you these characteristic traits, and it's, it's, it helps it easier to spot them. And then third, obviously, is, is discernment, right? We need to be uh, discerning. I think I might have jumped ahead of myself, but... Actually, yeah, if you could skip that Ephesians verse... Chris, and go to uh, 
go to 1 John 4.1. We see this already in the first church. John is writing to them in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have, have gone out into the world. And so, again, um, God gives us a discernment to be able to, to understand false teaching. Um, but again, it might not give me that discernment. It might give you that discernment. It might give you that discernment. It might give you that discernment. So when we're in community together, when we're, when we're uh, fellowshipping one another, discernment is, is a spiritual gift. And if someone's exercising it, it's easier to spot the, the, the wolf in sheep clothing. I always get a cartoon stuck in my head, and it looks all cute to me. Like, why are they coating anything? But, it, I mean, it's dangerous, right? I've seen people really just wreck their life because they just went off on some false teaching and that some guy was peddling, and, and they just, like, made their life miserable. And just they're, 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 the end result with them is they got off that road. They said, I'm not going to stick on the, on the narrow road. Look at what's on the narrow road. And they pointed to the bad experience they had. And um, we, we, as a church, are a safeguard if we're, if, we're, if we're teaching truth, if we're following Jesus. We get to our last part. Uh, oh, then you see their end result, verse 21 through 23. Jesus basically said, look, you have these guys, and they come to the end, and they say, look, we did all these things. You know, I was going to say something I did, but then I'm like, I'm not a false prophet. <laughs> oh, look, I taped down the cords. No, 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 false prophet. <laughs> Sorry. I have a weird mind, mind process. Um, but, but, you know, they say, look, we prophesied. We did these things, the same thing that Jesus said, you're a false prophet. And these guys are saying, they're coming to him and saying, but we prophesied. And we made it really ring out. Um, we, we, we uh, did he say, cast out demons in your name? And Jesus said, I never knew you. That, that, that's like, in other words, you didn't do that for you. <laughs> you. Or you didn't do that for me. You did that for you. You know what I mean? You, 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 uh, you had the big show of, of how great you were to draw people to you, not to me. And we see they're in. They're, they're, in. they're just not, they're not allowed in. Jesus says, I, I never knew you. And then he ends with this, which is really cool, and we're going to end with it. He says, therefore, in verse 24, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. And again, we, we already read those verses about, they, they heard these things and they're, they're like, whoa. Because again, if you, if you guys, I don't know if you guys did this during our, our time, this eight weeks of, of being in, in these uh, these three chapters, I timed myself, and it's like 15, I mean, I'm a slow reader, so it's like 15 to 20 minutes to just read it straight through. And so I don't know how many pauses or uh, anything, but what's recorded of what Jesus said here 
could have been only like a half an hour. But I mean, there was so much. We spent eight weeks, which is almost eight hours of, of, of teaching on these eight things. So I'm sure that like had to hit these guys like a ton of, ton of bricks. And maybe you guys are going, I can't follow a thing you're saying, so it's hitting me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> but that was my wife who said, yes, <laughs> yes, I get it. No, but here, here's the thing is, is, is Jesus really lays it on the line. I like this. He, 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 he brings it, he, like if you, it, I, I might not be able to bring things to a point, but Jesus can. And he basically says, look, there are two roads. Get on it. Get on the narrow road. Get on the narrow path. Get on, go through the narrow gate. Or there's a broad gate. Figure it out. Pick one. And often you'll see Jesus do this when he's talking to people. He heals someone. I don't condemn you either. Go sin no more. Heal you. I got compassion for you. I love you. That's who Jesus is. I love you. Go sin no more. He doesn't. He bring, he'll, he'll bring it to that point. He does that here. And then he goes, he says, you know, beware of these people because look, you can go, well, well, wait a minute, Jesus, I'm on the road. Look, I'm prophesying. He says, oh, I never knew you. You got to know Jesus. Plain and simple. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. Do not leave here without knowing Jesus today. You do not want to get to heaven and you will, the Bible says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it. All of creation, creation will, will sing his praise. Do not leave here without knowing Jesus. He says, because you get to that point, you'll be on your knee and you'll go, oh man, this Jesus stuff was real. And he's going to say, unfortunately, I never knew you. And it's funny because he says, there's are people who are in church. I'm pausing here because I feel like God's telling me to pause. He says there are wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, they're walking around the flock, the flock of God. If that's you, turn your life over to Jesus today. You want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. He says his sayings, okay? I'm going to tarry just a little bit. He says his, his sayings, the things that he's already said, right? If he hears them, he's going to be likened to a wise man who built his life on the rock, right? Solid foundation, not moving. We see the hurricanes. We see what's going on. We see Maui. We see the natural disasters that are happening. And we see Christians who are shining their light. Because everything's burned up. Their eye wasn't on their house in Maui. There are Christians probably out there. I can only, almost guarantee you probably passing out water to people who don't have water, probably delivering water to, to people who don't have water who are without getting them ready for the hurricane or whatever the news was that was going on. Because they go to the grocery stores and there's nothing there. And they're being salt and light. Or are we keep are we... Are we hearing his, his sayings and are we, are, we, are we doing them, right? That's always, the, that's always the practical, which is hard. Are we doing them? And then he gets to, again, the, um, the hearing and obeying 
of his of his word, and he really, like I said, he really drives it home here. And we need to do that. We see a, a road that we're on, and it's getting broader. Maybe it's uh, even veering, uh, and I had all these analogies, but they keep coming back to me, so I'm going to say it. Um, you know, you'd be walking along, and you could see your like other brother or Christian. Uh, and a brother and sister in Christ, and you look look at them, and they're like, they're going around Mount Diablo. When I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, we we loved driving. Every teenager did, right? And we always just like want to get away from our parents. Uh, <laughs> it is, but and and uh, so it's like, let's, let's go for a ride, all right? You guys ever been on uh, Mitchell Canyon Road or whatever? Anyways, but there's this like really cool road that actually takes you. Uh, at the base of Mount Diablo, on the backside of Brentwood, Clayton, uh, before you hit Clayton, and it takes you all the way uh, to Livermore. And you're like on, but it's like sketch. Like the road just, it's like super like sketch as in like it's sketchy. Um, it's hairy. And uh, it gets down to where it's like, like you go in one car. And um, why am I saying that? You could see people who were on this real tight winding, and you're like, dude, just take the freeway. <laughs> dude, that, look, that looks so gnarly. Why would you do that? Take the freeway. Maybe, maybe you've broadened some of those areas, and God's talking to you about that, and he wants to bring you back to a, a narrow gate approach to your life where you're a little more conservative with um, how you approach Christ. Um, do that today. Um, I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back up. And as we close, again, I, Jesus just, he, he, um, he doesn't mix words. He really, um, he wants people to come to decisions. And, and as, as we talked about, as I talked about just a, a moment ago, we don't want to be in that spot. We don't want to leave here going, well, I kind of heard God talking to me, but, you know, I'm just, I'm good. Because um, I guarantee you right now, the enemy would hate that. If God's talking to you about something and he wants to do a, a refining work in your life, and he spoke to you through uh, some of these verses, he wants you to make a decision, whatever it is. If you're here and you, you're not on the road, you haven't made that choice. Um, you haven't recognized, let me rephrase that. You haven't recognized that God loved you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for your sins. Just so he, he could be near you, like we prayed at the beginning, like we sang that last song. He wants us to draw near to him. If you've never said, God, you know what? I want to follow you. I want to get on that road. If you've never done that, do that today. Don't leave here without doing that. I, I think I know the majority of your faces, um, but I don't know your heart. I'm not God, and I won't pretend to be God. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you. 
We thank you that um, you loved us so much that not only did you die on a cross for us, not only did you raise yourself up from the grave because you have power over life and death, but God, you you also um, you also gave us your words, Lord. You gave us our, your words so so we could have a, a hashtag blessed life, so we can get on in this life in a way to where um, we're going to prosper, not prosper in the sense of money or stuff, but God, prosper in the things that are, that are important, the heavenly things, where our reward is, Lord. None of us can take any, anything with us, Lord. We can see things that are happening, uh, people around us that are doing well, and, and all these things, and, and, and none of the, but none of those things matter if we don't have you. When, when we get to the end, God, that's it. That's the key. That's, that's the road that leads to life, the narrow gate. And God, you, you even warn in that. You say there's few who find it. So I just pray if there's anyone here who has not given their life, surrendered their life to you, have bowed that knee and said, Jesus, you are Lord. You did die for my sins. You love me. I believe, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin and that you've forgiven me of my sins by that act of death, burial, and resurrection. If you've never done that, I just pray. Pray this with me. Pray it in your heart. Maybe um, some of you who watch this later, just pray this in your heart. Jesus, I know that I missed the mark. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness of that sin. I know that I am unrighteous and that I need a righteousness to cover my unrighteousness. I know that you provided that righteousness through your son, Jesus Christ, by dying, being buried, and raising himself again from the dead. God, forgive me. I repent of my sins. I'm turning away from those things. I want to be on the narrow road, Lord, that leads to life. Let me encourage you, if you've done that, Jesus is yours. The promise is yours. You've received Jesus if you've done that, if you've prayed that into your heart. Not because I said those words, but that's what the Bible says, that you are saved. And so congratulations if you've done that. Welcome. Lord, for those who are uh, maybe in a spot where they're, they, they're challenged uh, by, by your words today, Lord, there's things that maybe you're speaking to them about very specific things, Lord, I pray that they would give them to you, Lord, that even now, Lord, Holy Spirit, as you search this room, as we go through uh, the, these, these, uh, these songs of praise to you, God, we really examine our life and, and, and ask, God, am I, am, I, am I building on the rock? Am I building on sand? Am, am I am I, am I is it going to last, God? When, when calamity comes my way, am I going to be salty? Am I going to be light? Am I going to have that, that, that attitude of I'm blessed because I'm going through troubles? What am I building my life on? I just, I just, I just pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, if, there, if there's things that they're struggling with, things that they, 
that they know they need to give them to give to you, Lord. I pray that you they would give them to you, Lord. They would release them from uh, from themselves and give them to you now, Lord. And they, and, and um, your word says that as we cast our cares upon you, you care for us, Lord. You take those, Lord. You want us to. You say you actually invite us to do that. Cast your cares upon me, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you that you that you love us and you want to take those things from us. Pray that you bless my friends in the rest of their week, Lord. Help you. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in our worship to you.